This is a Clark University podcast. Talk to the wrist because the hand is pissed. RFU contains grown-up themes and occasional coarse language when they get carried away. Please take care while listening. Hi, professors. This is Nicole Overbaugh, a junior in the Clark University Screen Studies program. Recommended for you this week is the film Spree from 2020, made in the United States and directed by Eugene Kotlarenko. The film stars Joe Keery of Stranger Things fame as Kurt Kunkel, a rideshare driver and micro-influencer desperate for internet attention. I am recommending this film to you because it elicited such a strong, visceral reaction from me that I have never quite felt while watching anything. Its untraditional shot style and modern storyline creates what is essentially a cringe compilation that left me hiding under my shirt, wallowing in secondhand embarrassment. I hope you all enjoy it. Peace out. This. This. This is recommended for you. For you. For you. A podcast where Clark University Screen Studies professors watch and discuss films suggested by the 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 community. Welcome to RFU. This is Rock Sommer. I'm Hugh Mannon. And I'm Soren Sorensen. And we're here to talk about Spree. Spree is a 2020 horror comedy directed by Eugene Kotlarenko, starring Joe Keery of Stranger Things fame, Sashir Zameda, David Arquette, Kyle Mooney, Misha Barton, and others. Um, and it is about a Spree driver, sort of like an Uber or Lyft driver, who is uh, searching for clout um, by live streaming a uh, essentially a killing spree where he picks up passengers in his spree and murders them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have that much to say, else to say about it. I mean, this will definitely contain spoilers. <laughs> this was suggested by Nicole Overbaugh, a screen major at Clark University. First off, I want to say that for all the episodes we've been doing this, I didn't realize that the joke was a little sum sum. I literally didn't realize that. But like you I also it came was up your with, joke. You, it was I, your I joke. And and we just, we're, we're, we're doing all these puns in the last episode. And I'm thinking, this guy is a master punman, punsman, <laughs> pun maker, pun marker, Joel pun marker. And he, and for some reason, that was lost on you. I I, I thought, but but then again, I guess, as we've proven, everything is about sex. It's not, we, yeah. it, it's not optional. It's just, yeah. So some, some is something, something. So I think like the only thing that was missing from the summary is that it's all being live streamed. So we're we're seeing like multiple screens all at once and we're seeing people commenting uh, in chat and DM and whatever uh, on the events of the murders as they happen. And that's kind of like the trope, right? So it connects it to other films like, I don't know, like Host, like the film that's about uh, murders that happen on Zoom, that sort of thing. It's highly like wild it's like hyper formalistic like if or there's Battle hyper royale or something it's yeah it's like oh, yeah. hunger games or something where there's like there are people watching these murders essentially yep oh. yep so and and also like a film i'm going to mention a little bit later that we've screened uh in a different context death race 2000 which is about mm. people in cars killing people and being yeah. watched on tv while they do it yeah so it's not it's not without um you know it's it's its own i almost said influencers um that would have been very silly of me uh, no, it's, it's not without it's, um, the film isn't without its influences, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it predecessors, but it's like, it, it is maybe the first one as Hugh mentioned before we started recording that is like in this ultra modern kind of, uh, 
vernacular or you know it, it's really dealing with live streaming um social media uh, likes subscriptions you know this, this sort of searching for clout or whatever whatever the hell that means uh and um yeah there should be a content warning on this um this episode that it's going to contain middle-aged people talking about uh you know <laughs> the, the subjects of of of, of young people <laughs> Like these websites and whatever, these newfangled internet and streaming live video. <laughs> so, I mean, was that everybody's, did everybody have that same response? Like, I kind of felt like on the one hand, you know, I've got a kid who's 16, 17 now. And the um, the nature of this whole drama unfolds in his idiom. So I'm, I'm like literally across the hallway from this. Guys playing, you know online video games, streaming video, making beats, like communicating with each other online. Like this is like something that I'm aware of, but I'm not part of. And so in a sense, like, like I totally get where this film's coming from and kind of who it's targeted at. My son is completely aware of the existence of this film. He's never seen it, but he knows about it from Mm -hmm. online discussions and various things. And so I think like in some ways, like I, I very much get like where it's coming from, but I am not, who it's targeted at and and in some ways it misses me do you do you actually think it's where it's coming from like i get how it's not made for you i don't think any of us on this call were the primary audience for spree but with my little knowledge or not little but like um comparatively minor (laughs) investment in this sort of internet sphere compared to perhaps like yeah our students or people of our students age or even a little younger. Um, I still think that it's fitting that we're talking about it because it, it to me feels like it has middle-aged glasses on, Mm. right? It doesn't feel to me like it's actually made by a 22 year old about being 22 and working as a Lyft driver um, and trying to find a way to uh, break into internet fame while working through the slog of, of, of driving folks around LA, right? Like it, to me, it does feel kind of like a, like a 40 something dude perspective on, (laughs) on that, on that life. Um, and that grind. So in a way it's, it's like the Kurt, the, the protagonist of the film, uh, Kurt's father is the sort of supposedly out of, out of step, you know, middle age ish, um, guy who I'm sorry, who's the David actor? Arquette. David Arquette. David Arquette, right? So David Arquette, who's always interesting and funny and weird. So he's in this, and he's kind of playing this uh, overbearing. I don't know, overbearing. Like he's a father who's both absent and too absent and too present. So he's <laughs> constantly like texting his kid, like asking him for help, asking him for a ride. Um, and the kid is absolutely not having any. Kurt is having nothing to do with this. Um, but the father in some ways is a dinosaur in this film from the outset and it's just not, not at all with it. But yet I, I totally, yeah. I mean, rocks, what you're saying really does resonate with me because this is a film that's full of references to films that nobody who's 17 year old, 17 years old has ever seen. Do you want to give us some examples? Yeah, Give us some examples. All right. So I kind of, we talked about this a little bit and I, I thought, you know, I, I tend to do this anyway, so why not formalize it? Like I tend to just like spit out like references, and um, and when I notice them, I notice them, and I can't shake them. Um, so we decided that we were going to call this segment Hughes Clues, but I actually decided Manon's Canon. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's really... Wow. Yeah, like that. The whole point of this is to just rip through these, not to get hung up too much on any of them and just sort of lay out like what I saw in this film. So Seven, David Fincher's film Seven. You'll notice in this film, uh, Kurt says, Bobby, I just got seven. I just got seven rideshare kills. And of course, people are being serial killed, serially killed. Can you say that? They're being serially... I can't even say the words. Serially. People are being serially killed for their sins, just as in Seven. Uh, the mm. film connects to another film, uh, Belgian film, I think, called Man Bites Dog, which is a very mm. disturbing serial killer auto documentary, which is kind of like this. Psycho uh, is relevant yes. in the sense that we go through much of the film not knowing that the plot begins with the protagonist killing his mother in the family home and leaving her there. The big reveal here is the same one of Psycho. Absolutely. The mother is no longer in the house. <laughs> um, if anybody has seen the 80s film Night Shift... Uh, there's this hilarious line by Michael Keaton where he says, do you guys like music? Are you a fan of music? That's not what, uh, that's what Kurt says. He says, do you guys like music? Are you a fan of music? And then yeah. night shift, Michael Keaton says, Hey kid, do you like music? And then he starts singing <laughs> jumping Jack flash. Anybody who's seen it remembers it. Uh, as I mentioned before, death race, 2000 people are being killed by cars for points. That's kind of like what's happening here, except they're internet points. Taxi Driver, which is an actually psychotic taxi film. Kurt trying to kill Jesse Adams, the comedian, is like Travis Bickle trying to kill presidential candidate Charles Palantine. Uh, Aronofsky's first film, Pi, has a scene in which a character puts a drill to their temple and just drills into their own head, which connects to the scene with Misha Barton being drilled in the temple by the um, little cordless drill that Kurt carries around with him. The Blood on the Windshield and the Car Wash looks vaguely like a Brackage film. That one is really out of left field, but like maybe <laughs> yeah, host yeah. host the covid era zoom horror film uh which kind of connects to the selfie tiktok formalistic approach of this film i think my best one my best two are faster pussycat kill kill when at the ending of this film jess is ramming the car into kurt inside his mother's house and he's backed up against the wall Roman reminds me exactly of varla and faster pussycat trying to run over the vegetable with the porsche mm -hmm. if you've ever seen it you immediately know what i'm talking about but the best one of course is the sequence where we think kurt is going to jesse's grandma's house but actually through a trick of editing he's going to bobby's house can i say it silence of the lambs yeah yeah yep. it, was, it was the silence of the lambs <laughs> thing right yeah and just one last one. I think the, the use of that Peggy March 1950s doo-wop kind of song at the end, I Will Follow Him, is really reminiscent and probably couldn't exist without Kenneth Anger using those sorts of films, mm -hmm. those sorts of uh, pop songs on his uh, short Scorpio films in the Rising. 50s and 60s. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Well, End also, of Manon's Canon. No, that was that was a lovely <laughs> Manon's Canon. We, we have to do a jingle for Man and Scannon and then have some fake applause at the end or something. and Or some real applause, actually. I feel like the, the I will follow him thing, I mean, it reminded me a little bit of Goodfellas, too. I, it, it, you know, Scorsese obviously uses a lot of pop music in his in his you know, his song scores or in his, in his sound design. But um, the, the, the lyrics were just kind of like so on the nose. I feel like it might have transcended anger or like you know this idea of yeah. of a reference or an homage because it just was like i will follow him as this perfect idea um for for a social media kind of a song to to reflect this social media thematic material of the film um but i also kind of wanted to ask and this isn't about film references so much as something you said at the beginning when you mentioned seven um is he at the beginning the first person that he kills with the with the poisoned water um is it is revealed during the the beginning stages of the ride before he's taken a sip of the water that the passenger is a white supremacist 
Um, yeah. Does but but this this guy doesn't know, does the driver does Kurt know that he's a white supremacist before he decides to kill him? He doesn't, does he? Well, no. I think we're at that moment in the film viewing experience because I think one thing we haven't said thus far is I think <laughs> the film is like going for a certain surprise element that perhaps has multiple stages or layers. Um, so I think in that moment, there's a lot going on by by choosing to have the first death be that of like a white supremacist mm. and one who like, um, you know, hails our protagonist as a white man and uh, a, a similarly like ambitious one um, such that that's a question, right? We go like, oh, did he do research? Like, did he like, he, you know, figure out like sort of strategize and target um is he's going is he going to be targeting his kills i thought it was like, just sort of meant, but, meant to no. just gin up you know some early um you know sort of good feelings toward our hero or our anti-hero as it is as it was um you know and 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 in this kind of i guess in my yeah in this the, the most cynical reading of it was just like okay well we'll, we'll make it so that the, the very beginning or this first kill will be a justified killer that every that everybody in the in the yes. in the audience will will say okay great one one less white supremacist in the world <laughs> yeah you're you're not you know like it makes it easy to like laugh mm -hmm. like at the comedy element and the surprise element and and not to feel too shitty about oneself that one didn't take that kill seriously and it's weird because I only watched this a few days ago but then in my mind I wrote it well we get a couple like that mm. and so I told myself that the second one was like the misogynist yeah right like um but that's not no. true. Yeah. Like, Lord save me. I went back and like rewatched this film. Oh, wow. yeah. And the second one is, in fact, like the woman real estate agent mm -hmm. who's like annoying and she's like, and she's a she's a dick in the way that like so many people who take like ride shares are where they don't even see their driver as a human <laughs> no, worth no. engaging with but like it's still not the same you know i put that like misogynist dude <laughs> racist dude like and the white supremacist guy in like one category and then this like realtor and these party people later in this other category where like most of us wouldn't want to hang out with these people most of us could yeah. relate to like finding them annoying yeah. but like they're not but here's the thing like, though but, objectively bad in the same way that the other two but are. i think she I, is i think she is as bad because she's she's representative of the environmental crisis because she litters right she's a litter bug she she takes the balloons out of the house and she lets them go right. rather than like disposing of and even but, says, but no, that listen, wasn't cool. Though, but we can all agree. I think we, we can, can all agree. Wait, Wait, hold white on. This supremacy is, this is, we're going to get too far afoul. Litterers. We can all agree. The three of us can all agree that they're all in one category, which is people who don't deserve the death penalty for, for their sins. Right. Is that, is that right? Can we, can we, we, can we agree on that? <laughs> no, we can't. I see like, oh man, you're giving this film too much credit for like I'm not. provoking philosophical thought. <laughs> we have to talk about it. We have to have some. I mean, I kind of think, I, I kind of think like what you're saying, Soren, is exactly right, that they try to gin up a certain kind of sympathy for Kurt through the death of the white supremacist in the first scene who, you know, like I, you can't sort of say people deserve to die. No but tears. This is yeah. a guy who yeah. is a very bad guy yeah. and he's going to go lecture to other people and promulgate this message and, and make all this more sort of guys. things. Right. right. Yeah. So he, he's so he's a bad guy and he's, he's a good person to kill off first to ease us into something. But the thing is, like what it's easing us into is actually that Kurt is completely indiscriminate. And I actually don't think yes. he's researched any of this. And he just picks up no, whoever no, he picks no, up. No, I don't think so app. either. I mean, that was not a very honest question. But I, I <laughs> but but but, but, but this, the, you know, making a reference to seven, 
I think maybe stops it that, that number seven possibly. And just the idea that there's an organizing principle um, behind this guy's, there's a method to the madness. Right. right? Um, and even if we don't agree with the method, there is this method, which is like, I'm going to kill all, all of my, my fares basically, or that's, that's the, the design. Yeah. Can I drop another super quick man in cannon? All right, hold on. Cue the, cue the jingle for man in cannon. This is really wild. I didn't think of this until just now, but seven is pretty tightly and kind of convincingly, but also loosely adapted from a 1947 film noir that involves uh, a killer called the judge. And this guy goes around killing people based on the seven deadly sins. And would you like to know what the title of that film is? Follow me quietly. Now, once you've said that, it's just like, yeah, so what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can agree to disagree, but I, I guess my, well, I don't even know if there's a disagreement. I guess the, the point is like I'm none of us at least I'm not a vigilante and so like I don't like like choosing my <laughs> choosing my victims based on their ideology or based on them being litter bugs or whatever. Like I, I it's just it's sort of a, it's farcical, which is a, this film is supposed to be funny, right? And supposed but to none be. of us are vigilantes. That's why I just took I just took the turn to like real like I'm like I don't want to share my thoughts on the death penalty on this podcast because it's like so obviously a genre film. Like it's such a Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. So this this is this is already getting getting into this like slander of the genre, right? We, we you're not allowed to discuss a genre film, you know, as it pertains to to philosophy or ideology, which I disagree with. But but also no, 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 no. that's not what I'm saying. Okay, okay. Well, I, I'll, I'll let you clarify. But also, I I. I I don't understand. You you said before you said none of us are vigilantes. I was careful to say that I'm not a vigilante. I don't know that you. <laughs> but or, by or you Hugh saying that, it implies that we're. I'm like I don't know what you're talking about. I don't spend my weekends killing white supremacists. Anyway, it's don't ask, don't tell don't for vigilantism. You just are vigilantism. <laughs> you, 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 you can't you can't ask that question. Um. Anyway, so you asked me if I would kill a white supremacist. Like, what kind of question? That's well. But if we were talking about a better film, you would you would tell me. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that what it is? And, and so that gets into, but that does get into this idea that you know that that I think two of us, Hugh and myself, really like the genre of horror, and and one of us, Rocks, really does not like this genre and thinks that it's less than right or that it's not. It's no, not worthy. I don't think that's fair. I would never say such a thing. Blasphemy. I stri- um, move to strike from no, be, no. I am against all uh, sort of ontological arguments about genres. Mm. I, I, I actually just, I, I under, no, I'm always cautioning my students against saying like, I don't like, like, or like X is a bad genre Agreed, yeah. or X or X sorts of movies shouldn't be made, uh, to, to court. I just, I know. So I have this like theoretical stance and I just personally have a hard time mm watching horror it's one of those ones that's really hard for me to wrap around how like certain ideas and ideologies are being like distilled and displaced like like you know like i can understand the workings of like a screwball comedy or a science fiction film i can wrap my head around it a lot easier than horror i'm just really upset and disturbed um by many and i was in a very bad mood when i finished yeah. this film yeah. Yeah. i mean and i'm a little i'm a little grumpy that it's being submitted as a comedy i'm not gonna lie. yeah i don't think it's a comedy <laughs> i i think of anything it's kind of like i mean it truly is a film that's in the lineage of taxi driver as as kind of unfair as that comparison is to taxi driver you know it's a film that's kind of like a jacked up post-noir psychological thriller with a lot of blood like i don't know if that's a genre but that's what this is and we certainly do get the blood at the end and this in the scene that really does remind me kind of of the climax of taxi driver 
with the killing of the father in the house and the mother's already dead on the carpet and just blood everywhere. I mean, it's pretty hard to take, <laughs> um, yeah. even in a film that kind of wants to be satirical and in some ways funny. Um, and so I don't quite know what to do with that other than to say that's clearly what the film is aiming to do. Um, yeah. But like what's interesting about it to me, you know, if, if anything's interesting about this film, it's the jacked upness of it. It's the fact that this is a film that's completely geeked up for a kind of digital native audience. Yeah. And so it's it's really like what's going on formally. That's And frankly, uh, in a very intricate way, like I don't, I don't think there's any denying that what the director is doing here is is pretty intricate, intricately handled. Um, yeah. Right. Supposedly, he said that he he like. He, he pulled like four or five all-nighters just writing the uh, text messages that are showing up in the comment feed on the videos. Yeah, I and I totally yeah. believe that. Um, yeah. And, they're they, you know, they're all on point. Everything you read, like if you take the time to read what's showing yeah. up in the corner of the screen, it all makes perfect sense. It all connects. Some of yeah. it's really vile. Some of it's, you know, really funny. Some of it's weird. And so I, I think the film, you know, it's it's really like again ontologically like it's really kind of not about genre and it is about i mean clearly what they decided to do here was make a film for 2022 digital natives that kind of mm. is going to resonate for them in the same way that and then I, th I think you'd have to go back and look at other films that do really weirdly formalistic things in, in past generations pseudo documentaries you know mm. films like even something like spinal tap like that resonates for people of a certain generation for certain reasons and and that's it. I mean, that's what drives the bus here. The fact that this is about murder is like vaguely satirical, but I don't think very productively so. You know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I am confused and, and I think it's worth raising considering this was submitted by a student when we asked for comedy films. I would like to belabor what what the satire is here and what it thinks it's doing. Because I think what it thinks it's doing is satirizing you know, you know, in speaking to that audience of digital natives and satirizing social media and how how far it can drive us mm. <laughs> um, in our like sense of self and our sense of purpose, um, such that it could drive someone all the way to murder. At the same time, like when you step back and get to the end of the film and why it's a total bummer for me is that like it it isn't at for me the scenario at hand isn't about social media it's about like senseless violence that is so routinely committed by young white men and that the film doesn't get that that's what it's actually made a film about is suggested to me in how they close it with jesse's character and her getting in to the violence and not just like defending herself as a black woman against this like senseless rageful violence but also like participating in it like going beyond self-defense to participate quite actively for the yolos <laughs> um coming in on the live feed um that she that she's shown to be a hypocrite and that she builds on her fame to quit social media to quit her phone to stomp it out in a way that allows herself to be kidnapped to only like take up the phone and in the sort of like post moment to like return to fame ever the more famous having participated in this violence. Yeah. So it seems to have this like, and see, none of us are immune. And that like, that, that's somehow supposed to be wise when like, like, no, like, okay, none of us are immune to social media truth. But like this dude just killed a dozen people. And I don't think it was just for the likes and fault. Like, I don't, I don't buy what it's 
saying. Well, it, right? It's, it's yeah, it's sort of rotten. It's like rotten to its core in a way. Like there's there's. It, 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 I think I think I might have said something like or thought I just certainly thought something like when we watched official competition um, that it, the film sort of hates its characters in a way like it's it's so deeply cynical that there's not really a hero in it and you don't root for anybody in it. And it's like, OK, well, you know, so what are we laughing at exactly? And to hear rocks break it down in the way that they just did, like, that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what makes it the most rotten is that it's kind of like goofing on like spree killings or, or, or rampage killings, which end up oftentimes being a white male and end up being in public places or schools or, you know, and, and, and I don't know, like, I don't know if this was the right delivery system for it. I thought if I can say one nice thing, so she is probably like too good for this film or the, the even the character <laughs> was too good for the film. Like I, I kind of was like, Oh, this person's cool. And she had her own kind of viral moment on stage. It's very quiet in this room. I can hear a long held fart. And I'm sure you're like, Jesse, why so serious? Where are the jokes? We're living in it. You, me, that spree driver, we're all punking ourselves. And that's why when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going cold turkey. No more social media for me. Okay, those are the devils on my shoulder trying to hold me down. Do we have any angels in the house? It was almost like this kind of anti-comedy comedy that she's doing. I don't, I, I'm gonna... Um, you know, she's talking, she's, she's on stage kind of talking about a serious issue um, in a humorous way, but it's, it's just saying like, I need to make some changes and, and I, I realize what's important tonight and it's not this and I need to figure this out. And then, and then, yeah, by the end, she's just like, look guys, I got to stay in a, in a, you know, a, a fancy hotel and, and it's like all back to being exactly the same. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I am, the, and I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly capable of admit, admitting that I'm like the oldest fogey when it comes to this stuff. Like, I people will text me TikTok videos. Like, I don't, I don't look at TikTok. Like, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know what Snapchat is. Snapchat is like, I, I just called it <laughs> Snapchat. Um, you know, it's, it's just kind of like, but, but it's still just if the lesson of the film is that social media is vapid, well, it's like, okay, I was on board with that before the film started. And like, yeah. like influencer culture is dangerous and vapid. Yeah. Okay. I was already on board with that. I mean, that is it. That That is the lesson of the film, I think, but I think it comes at it through a route. That's maybe a little more uh, that we could give it some kind of credit for. I mean, there's this point at which, okay. So, you know, the character of Bobby. So Bobby is like a frenemy to Kurt and somebody that Kurt's trying to get to promote him a little bit of, Bobby trivia during the scene at the taco truck, a comment on Kurt's stream says, what up? I'm Jared. I'm 19 and I never fucking learned how to read, which is a reference to a super famous vine by the guy who plays Bobby, Josh Ovale. And so that is, you know, that's pretty cool. And there's other, you know, semi-famous reality TV shows, people like Lala from Vanderpump Rules, who shows up in the scene in the car. Like, so this film is kind of like doing some meta stuff. But I think like one of the things that it is trying to do at the level of satire is through Kurt being uninvested in lacking stakes. Like we never really care that much about what he's doing because it never seems like he stands to lose anything. He just kills people and he gets away with it and it's no problem. Yeah. And the film itself becomes flippant. And I think that's the best word I can apply to it. The film mm -hmm. is flippant and it's flippant in exactly the way that people who use social media and make anonymous comments on YouTube videos are flippant. Nobody in social media knows who you are. Nobody who who nobody who you're commenting on is ever going to connect up with you personally. So you can afford to be flippant. And it's kind of it's it's truly like a real problem with like the universe that we inhabit right now. And I think my takeaway from this, like I really did have this kind of bad 
downer feeling at the end of this. And mm. I, I feel like after watching this, that we're all living in a really bad timeline, like in this kind of culturally impoverished, impoverished historical moment. And it's sad, actually. And this film is representative of that. Now, whether the film's aware of that and trying to produce that effect or whether it's producing that accidentally, I'm not really sure, but that's kind of where it leaves me. Well, I thought we were living in a bad timeline before I started watching the film, so it, it didn't. It was just it, <laughs> sure. like it does what a lot of horror movies do, which is just com- it confirms my my prejudices, which is not a good feeling either. You know, you don't you want to be challenged or you want to be uplifted or or something. I, it, there was just something where I was just kind of like, oh yeah, well this is this is the way it is. And I, you know, like I said, I was already on board before it started. So you gave me the perfect segue. Oh yeah, this go for isn't it. Isn't new, and I don't I don't have a cute rhyme like man and cannon. I'm just like rocks is trauma. Um, <laughs> there's another like IRL. Hold on, we can we can cute that up. Give us a couple minutes. Rocks is trauma. There's another like reference that I think this film is deliberately making. If not, it's a wild coincidence, um, and one that sh- tells me that like I am right to be like skeptical of what they think they're making, a, what they claim to be making a movie about, and and in fact they're making a different one. And this primary, this protagonist, this antihero is named Kurt Kunkel. Now, in 1998, someone named Kip Kinkle. Does that sound like Kurt Kunkel, Kip Kinkle, it's I's instead of U's, um, you know, shot up a high school where I'm from. You know, he killed his parents and then he, the next day he went to school and, um, you know, killed two and, and, and injured 25 others. It was a growing moment for me as a tween at the time um, and the start of like, you know, one of those really early serious conversations that you don't just have like with your parents, but you have with your teachers and the whole school is gathered. And like, that's not a joke. Like, I don't know. It's so wild because I'm like teaching this class on comedy. I do have the very generous like belief system that sort of like nothing's off the table <laughs> in terms of like what you can make comedies about. And, and instead it is about how you tell like, it is about what the punchline is. It is about trying to, you know, I don't know, make a point through comedy. And so I think I I, I could find <laughs> a comedy or a comedy horror that is about like white men's violence um, and like gun violence. But like, I don't even think this film thinks it's doing that. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I it's it's so confusing to me, and I it actually annoys me further that there's this Kurt Kip. Yeah connection i don't think that what i'm going to say here helps in any way uh but it did occur to me that i never laughed once during this so if it's a comedy where are the laughs however i also never uh laughed once during our previous film official competition which i also didn't really laugh out loud at all however i was definitely i was definitely laughing on the inside whereas in this film (laughs) there's no laughing on the inside or the outside so is this really a comedy (laughs) i mean it's it's kind of like a comedy in the way that natural born killers is a comedy like there are moments that are just so unhinged that you're kind of like uh like you know it's you you but you even in but that's the that's the great thing that i that i think about horror movies and comedy movies that, that have in common the genres have in common is that well, if drama might make you cry, right? It was like a, or like a rom-com might make you cry. Comedy makes you laugh. And, and, and horror movies have this physical kind of reaction as well, which is like you retch or you, or you have a jump scare where you actually jump and your heart skips a beat. So I think when it's done right and it's, it can be really, really powerful. And I, I keep going back to like 
Shaun of the Dead, you know, with, with Simon mm-hmm. Pegg and Nick Frost. And it's like, I that movie's really funny and really traumatic in a way. And it also, they act it so straight, like, and so you really cry when, when um, his mom, they have to, they have to kill her because she turns into a zombie and all this kind of stuff. So yeah. you really feel it. And, and I don't think... There's, you just don't, and I hate to harp on this. I make, I feel like it's, it's so Pollyannish or something, but like, I really just don't care about anybody in this, in this film. And unless it was about Sashir Zameda's character, really, like, w- w- this, this guy is, his, his um, motivation is totally alien to us, or to, to, to me, certainly, um, as a non vigilante. <laughs> I'm just trying to be polite, you know, to the, to the possible vigilantes in the Zoom room here. I was trying to think on this and to be generous. And I, and I, well, while on the second watch, I did jot down some lines that didn't, I didn't go, waha, but there was like maybe a, a silent chuckle. Um, and so I will say, like, when I perhaps if I had to identify like my favorite scene in the movie, because I think it's like is really well done and maybe is saying something, and that is the scene. Um, with like the misogynist dude who like is sexually har- and otherwise harassing Jesse um, and this and we're sort of in this position alongside Kurt and trying to like which side is he going to come down on right like like there's this like hope that um, now that we know what he's capable of that that in this fictional story he'll use <laughs> his evil for good where the fuck are you going to wait you just you passed our exit we're going to pick up another passenger Dude, this is already taking forever. Are you serious? Well, I'm sorry. You requested Spree Social. I have a female waiting for me. You incel? Well, there is a female waiting for me to pick her up. And her name is Jessie. Okay? That that was witty. You know, I yeah. don't know. You know, like, um, I I saw the writing. The, I saw some humorous writing happening there. All right. So that's that allows me to kind of segue into my absolute top number one preoccupation in this film and that's the film is full of clams and so anybody familiar with that term has anybody ever heard this i i know the term clams from you know recording music which is a clam is just like a wrong note like you you did you Uh, you you got something wrong sort of right so that's the yeah i've heard that too and that's the musical idiom The, the screenwriting idiom uh version of clams is when you use a pop cultural catchphrase that resounds in that moment as a joke However, it's it's exactly the kind of thing that three years earlier or five years later will not resonate with anybody yeah. and just kind of drops and falls flat. So I actually had to look up what a good definition for clams was. And in doing this, I came across like a 2001 New York Times article that's talking about clams and the examples they gave from 2001. You, you're, making us, you're making us look bad. <laughs> Here it is. Don't go there. So having ah. a character say don't go there and that's the joke. Yeah. That's a clam. Yeah, okay. Too much information. Uh, talk to the hand. That's why they get paid the big bucks. So <laughs> these are just things I say. <laughs> yes, every people day. say these things though. I mean, my kid says these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TMI. We're to, we're of that generation. Yeah, and true, here's the true. like: if you were going to do one today, like <laughs> like right to today, the, the clam today would be. They said the quiet part out loud. Right. Like that's today's that's today's clam. Yeah. So this film is like a catalog of bad 2022 clams. And let me just list them down for you. I know a spot. Right, so that's like an internet cliche. Don't sleep on that. For all my real ones out there, yeah, yeah. my fans think you're a snack. This strong, beautiful queen uh, calling somebody a beta, this constantly the using the it. word, <laughs> constantly using the word honestly, constantly using the word appreciate. I appreciate you. Uh, how I want to die is being licked to death by puppies. That's a cliche from 2022. Taco truck connoisseurism. 
mentioning a hentai <laughs> mentioning a hentai body pillow. Uh, the phrase being seen. But is this is it that recent though? Some of these seem like they're not. But these are these, but these are certainly things that fall that will and probably do fall flat as jokes. It feels like these are supposed to be jokes. Mm. We're supposed to go. Ah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Press F to pay respects or whatever. Yeah. And like we're supposed to go. Oh, that's hilarious. But it's just not hilarious. Like these things just are total clunkers because that's not how screenwriting works. Mm-hmm. Like sc- screenwriting is about taking the known and the cliche and putting a spin on it and these are just cliches that are being spat back at you yeah, yeah. but at the same time at the same time i think this film is trying to like it's arguably possibly coming out of one of these moments and trying to build a film around it and that is the yolo moment right so at the end when jesse finally kills kurt by smashing the car him you know him between the car and the wall and then like looks at the phone and someone's paid her like 20 bucks and says take a selfie yolo and yolo being you only live once mm. and it's like just so but don't don't yeah. and like it, i could see i could see some 40 year old dudes like sitting around making fun of teenagers on the internet high and being like yolo, YOLO. Oh, what if yolo but the horror movie <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I think that's exactly um, it. Yeah. Right. So it is. It's like 40 year old guys observing 20 something and teen culture and spitting back all the, the terminology in this pretty rote way as if somehow that's going to itself be entertaining. And I, I, to How, me, that's what falls yeah. flat. Yeah. yeah. How do we historicize Mary fuck kill? Can we? That was a game of my teen years. Yeah, That's old. Right. How far I mean, does that go back? Yeah. I'm fascinated by these exact what like where do these term where do these things come from? Somebody invented that. Like think about that for a second. Like somebody <laughs> invented FMK and like that is a thing that everybody in the world knows. So one person came up with that concept in at some party some night. So can I just point <laughs> out and I think this has to become a segment. I am so obsessed with this now, like I've lost my mind. And that is I think we need to have a segment called Baked White Fish. Because all these films have somebody putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. And here, here's the one that Kurt says. I almost can't believe it. Like, Kurt is annoyed. Kurt's all upset that Jesse shoots videos vertical and then switches to horizontal. And he says, consistency is the first ground rule. Ground, no, yeah, it's ground yeah. rule. Yeah, C- yeah, consistency yeah. is the first, the first ground, ground rule. rule. Right, yeah. It's not they, the like, first they, ground rule. So the person's heard heard the term YOLO before, but never ground rule. Right, yeah, yeah. That's That's wild. I remember that, too. But it shouldn't be anyway. called baked white fish. It should be strap on. Strap on. Yeah, that should be. That's what it should be called. <laughs> in, in intervention, we have our own lore here. I mean, this is this is really deep. I think I I think I know the answer. Maybe there's a wild card in the pack, but would we RFU? I'm gonna say no. I mean, this is tough. Like, I don't I don't like dissing students' f- film suggestions, but yeah, I didn't I didn't love this, and I'm not sure I'd recommend it. It's, it's part of the risk involved, as Rock yeah, said before we started recording. Nicole knows how we feel about Nicole. That's not that's it's right. Fine. It's that's not, right. It's nothing. It's nothing. Inner circle. Against, yeah. It's this. Similarly, it goes both ways. It's like we we don't we don't we're not endorsing everything that we show students, and we don't we're not. It's not like we're if somebody recommends something to us, it's it doesn't mean that they're endorsing it, or it's just they wanted to hear our reaction to it. it yeah, I agree. I, I think. 
think there's a chance that having listened to Nicole's message that they they were curious more so than recommending. This is a recommendation podcast that has nothing to do with recommendation. That's exactly right. This, this I think, proves an absolutely critical point, actually, about our pedagogy within screen studies, which is it's absolutely valid to discuss things that you don't like. And just because you're discussing something doesn't mean that you like it. Yeah. And also the act of discussing it means that it's worthy of discussion. There aren't forbidden texts here. Yep. We need that brain explosion meme. (laughs) But yes, no, I would not RFU, but I have enjoyed talking about it with all of you. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks, Nicole. Recommended for you is a Clark University podcast. All opinions expressed are those of the faculty participants. If you'd like to recommend a film for an upcoming episode of RFU, email us at rfu at clarku.edu. That's rfu at clarku.edu. Or you can leave a voicemail with your suggestion at 508-798-4355. The Recommended for You podcast is produced by Andrew Hart for Clark University. Music by Jimmy Jackson. RFU logo by AJ Simmons. What about fuck my life? When did that go out of? Yeah, I would, I would have thought that this would have been a nice, a nice place for that little ch- mm. chestnut. I feel like in 2010, everyone was saying FML, fuck, fuck my life. All the time. What about FSU? What does FSU stand for? Florida State University. Fuck shit up. <laughs> I've never heard that. Yeah, fuck shit up. What about FVK? Fearless vampire killers. Hell yeah, fearless vampire killers. <laughs> <laughs>